All right, what's going on, everybody? Brian Zimmerman here, host of the Jazz's Backstage Pass podcast. Uh, today's episode is a really special one. It was part of our Miles Monday feature, which we do as a live stream on Facebook Live and YouTube, and it was a celebration of Miles Monday. It took place September 28th, the anniversary of Miles Davis's passing, and featured a real trumpet summit, a cavalcade of today's top trumpet players in uh, Keon Harold, Sean Jones, let's see who else by uh, Jeremy Pelt, Etienne Charles. We even had Lenny White drop in uh, via phone at one point. It's a really cool episode. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Before we get into it, though, let me just thank this episode's monthly sponsor. That would be Eric Baldwin. Eric, thank you for making this show possible. If you, too, would like to become a monthly sponsor of Jazz's Backstage Pass and uh, help us do what we do, just click that link in the show description and you'll be on your way. All right, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. All right. What is going on, everybody? Brian Zimmerman here, executive editor of Jazz Is Magazine and host of Jazz Is Live. Now, let me just cut straight to the chase about today's episode. Uh, it is a very special episode of Jazz Is Live. It is Miles Monday, of course, uh, but it isn't just any Miles Monday. Okay. Today, September 28th happens to be the anniversary of Miles Davis's passing, okay, the day that he left this dimension for another one. Um, and in speaking with my co-host, Vince Wilburn Jr., who you all know, nephew of Miles Davis and awesome drummer in his own right, uh, we, of course, wanted to honor Miles Davis, but we didn't want to do it in any way that was just sitting around telling remember when stories um, about the life he lived and the music he left behind. No, we really wanted to see how his legacy lives on and how his music continues into this generation. Um, and, you know, specifically how he has influenced the trumpet players of today. And so to do that, we open the doors of this episode to some of the best trumpet players in the world. Um, so some names that you saw in the Facebook post, Jeremy Pelt, Sean Jones, Etienne Charles, all will be coming through today to kind of pay their respects to Miles and discuss how he influenced them. Um, now, today's episode is going to be a little different. We decided to, again, in the spirit of Miles Davis, who was all-inclusive, embracing, big family, we wanted to kind of make this a stop by and hang, a real jam session, if you will. So Vince and I will be the rhythm section, and people are going to be coming through on Facebook, calling us up, stopping by the live stream, popping up on video, again, to pay their respects, to share some thoughts on Miles. And we invite you out there watching to do the same. If you have a question for Vince, if you have a question for me about the life of Miles Davis, now is the time to ask it in the Facebook comment section. We'll pull that comment up on screen. Vince and I will do our best to answer it. Or if you have a memory of Miles, uh, feel free to post it again in the, in the comment section. We'll read it on air. Um, all right. Before we get into the today's episode today, though, Today is actually a great day to spin some Miles Davis records, and I mean records, you know, physical vinyl, maybe put it on a turntable if you have it, drop the needle. There's nothing like listening to jazz on vinyl. And if you agree, you may want to check out our fall 2020 issue. Okay, check this out. This is the art of the album issue. It is all about albums, records, listening to albums, collecting albums, producing albums, album cover art. Everybody has that favorite album cover image. Miles Davis had some iconic ones, that's for sure. Now, this issue has already been mailed to subscribers, um, so you should have it in your mailboxes or better yet, on your coffee table. But uh, we've digitized all this content, all this great content. We've converted into HTML articles. They are on our website for you to read. You will need a digital subscription to read them. And right now we're offering a special subscription rate for just 99 cents per month for three months. You can unlock unlimited digital access to the site. So you can read all of the articles that are featured in this print issue, plus all of our previous print issues. 
Plus, we will enroll you to receive a complimentary print issue uh, come winter when we mail our next issue, the December 2020 winter issue, which is all about jazz on film, jazz in the movies. It's a really cool issue. We're putting it together now. I'm really proud of it. And yeah, like I said, you subscribe now, you get all of the content from this issue online, and we'll enroll you to receive a complimentary print issue come December. Uh, all right, without further ado, let's go ahead and uh, welcome my co-host for the day, my fellow rhythm section mate, nephew of Miles Davis, and an awesome drummer, an awesome guy, Vince Wilburn Jr. What's up, B? Vince, looking good, man. Sounded good. You got a nice new microphone. Yeah, I dig it. EV. Very nice, man. Shut well, hey, call. thank you. Yeah. Thank you for helping me to put this episode together. Again, it's kind of a Mr. Rogers neighborhood type deal. We're just going to leave the door open and people can come in. Uh, people can ask questions of us in the Facebook comments section. And the whole point is just remembering Miles on this anniversary of his passing. You shared a, a, a kind of a touching photo on your Facebook feed uh, this morning, Vince, which is Miles Davis's gravesite. There it is in uh, Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx. Um, Vince, he he's buried Sorry, but it's actually a crypt. He's not buried oh, there. Oh wow! He, he's he's encrypted right behind this stone. Gotcha. So okay, it's and it's in Woodlawn Cemetery, and it's on a corner called the Jazz Corner. Right, and a lot has, of major figures buried there. Oh. He's close to Duke Ellington, also buried in Woodlawn. Right. Max Roach, uh, Jackie McLean, yep. uh, this is Lionel Hampton. And yeah, amazing. I used right to live in the corner. Bronx. Yep, and I would I would drive by it often, pay my respects. Um, you know, I'm curious. It was September 28th, 1991, that Miles passed. Yes, yes. He he passed away in California. Um, yeah, St. John's Hospital, Santa Monica, California. Right, right. And a few days later, on October 5th, they had a big funeral. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hundreds I mean, it was all hundreds was of people. All, you know, it was all foggy. You know, it was like it was. Yeah, all I can like imagine, blur. man. I can imagine. You know, this is horrible, 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 man. I I couldn't sit through the uh, through the uh, service. I, I had to leave. Oh, really? I mean, from what I've heard, from what I've seen. Hundreds of people there, people lined up in the rain. You know, it was a rainy day in New York. They had it at a church uh, uh, on Lexington Avenue, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. You know, and, and like I said, countless people turned out to pay their respects. Uh, some of the cats that are going to be on this show you've played with before, we hope, like I say, if they, they turned out, uh, you know, to the Trump, the, some of the best trumpet players of today. Yeah. Cats yeah, like... Go ahead, go ahead. Jeremy Pelt. Some of the hit, hit the cast, B. Hit the cast. <laughs> Etienne Charles, who, of course, is an amazing mm -hmm. trouble player uh, out of Trinidad, I believe, and is now teaching up in Michigan. He blends so many styles. Like Miles, you cannot put your finger just on what genre of jazz you know, this cat is playing because he grew up in Trinidad playing a little of this, a little of that, got really into the New Orleans scene. Um, and the guy can really play it all. Very talented trumpet player. Uh, so he may be stopping by, uh, you know, Jeremy Pelt, who in research, I mean, I love Jeremy Pelt, but in researching Jeremy Pelt, I also, he's got an affinity for fine arts, um, you know, and his last album was like interpretations of famous sculptures in jazz form. And so I feel like, Miles and Jeremy would have gone on about their love of art. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. Who man. else you got? Who else you got, B? Tell him. Keon Harold. I mean, the invitations are out. Like I said, Keon Harold, who, as we know, Keon Harold was on this show. He was on this podcast. Um, and he, of course, played the music in a Don Cheadle biopic, uh, Miles Ahead. He was and playing it, the horn. You know, everything, not yeah. to put you off, B, but. Everything that that isn't Miles is Keon, you know, on, right. on the on the uh, on the uh, movie. You know, That's from right, from Ferguson, Missouri, by the way. That's right. That's right. And like way. I said, we invite you out there watching in Cyberland. If you have any questions or want to share a memory of Miles, uh, to go ahead and do so. I see Gary. Godspeed, Miles. Some love in the trumpet. That's absolutely right. I am. I am a trumpet player as well, and Miles was an indelible influence on me. You know, I was uh, I was going to ask whoever stopped by, 
to ask a trumpet player, you know, kind of when you first heard Miles Davis is like asking when you first took a breath. It's like impossible to say. I mean, like we grow up playing jazz trumpet. It, Miles seems to be always there. So one of the things I get asked a lot instead is like, when did I first start engaging with Miles Davis on a real educational level? Like, when did I try to learn from the master? And I remember very succinctly. Uh, very specifically, I was in seventh grade. There it is, Miles, Miles the Master, dropping some knowledge. That was, uh, during, the aura. That was during Aura in, in Copenhagen. Okay. He won a Grammy for it. Just gives me, you know, like telling me what to play and break oh, up the my. beat. Yeah, it's classic. <laughs> oh, so that, that's a young Vince Wilmer Jr. Young man, 19, uh, what, 82, maybe? Yeah. Oh, right on, man. Right on. I was about, I was about six, but I look older. <laughs> <laughs> no, you look good, man. You look good. Yeah, I remember I was in seventh grade, speaking of young, and I was in jazz band. I was just starting to, you know, get my chops together. I wanted to learn about this art form that was improvising. And this elder cat, you know, who probably was all of 18, 19 years old, pulled me aside and says, first thing you need to do, you need to sit down with Miles Davis, his solo on Freddie Freeloader, and kind of do, and transcribe it note for note. That's the foundation. That's the foundation. And so that's what I did. That's what I did. Wow. And it was just kind of, it demystified the whole process for me because, you know, you realize that these guys are, you only have 12 totes, notes to work with, you know, so, and they're working with the 12 notes, but it mystified it too, because how can you be so cool? The thing about that solo, and I'm sure a lot of treble players will agree, so simple, right? So soft-spoken, but the coolest thing on the planet. Um, said a lot with so few words, especially when you can trust him to someone like Coltrane who's just sheets of sound right beforehand um so I'm curious and if there are any jazz trumpet players or let's face it jazz musicians or let's face it again musicians period out there who can share a memory of the first time they really learned something from Miles you know I would I would love to hear that um how about you Vince my I know Miles was not really the type to sit down and give lessons his leadership was more like I'll show you and you know, by well, yeah, doing it I on mean, the bandstand. Yeah, B. I mean, he he um, he hired you for what you what you what you could have you know bring to the to the band. You know, right. um, uh, he he had a knack for picking out the best of, of 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 musicians and then them expressing themselves. And and right. Uncle Miles would kind of be the. Uh, like like Ron Carr referred to him as the head chemist, you know. Okay. And everybody's just in, you know in putting their ingredients in, you know, like right. you know, like a like a like a bouillabaisse or a bitches brew or a gumbo or, you know. And then he he turns up the heat, turns down the heat, puts the spices in or puts the, the, the you know you know mixes the molecules. And the fun thing about it, he knew. It, it was his his insight, and, and you know, and and he knew how to change the course. He could change the course of a concert in one song. You know, he just had a knack for for feeling the the audience. You know, right. or in the studio, just just he always said, and I've repeated this before. There's a, a melody in a song inside of a song. So right. a lot of time he would when he would play the playbacks of of of, of um, recordings, he would hear like a line or something somebody played or a bass line. And he'd make a song out of that, you know, it's pretty uncanny. Absolutely. Yeah. Drummers talk a lot about rhythms inside of rhythms and uh, yeah, songs inside of songs. That was, that was Miles' deal. And the way he engaged with an audience. Yeah. It's so important. We had someone on the show and we've done so many of these now I'm forgetting who I think it was, he was talking about how Cannonball always used to tell people, I give people a third of what I want. They bring a third of what they want. And then a third is just created right there you know, magic on the bandstand. I feel like you got a lot of that with, with Miles, too. Well, it's the best way to approach music. You know, if you can rehearse too much, you know, and, and you can be over-rehearsed, or you can record, like, too many takes, and then the spontaneity is gone, or it's just, it's like, you know, you musicians tend to get tired. As you know, B, I mean, you take yep. seven takes of one track, you know, or, you know, it, it it would, it would, I would be like, okay, let's go to the next song. Right. If it's not working when we're recording, you know, the, the right. track. So, yeah. You know, but he loved to get one or two takes and he was on to the next one. He said, I got it. Okay, let's go to the next, you know. 
which is great. Right. And and then now you can't do this, but the tape uh, uh, just ran. You know what I mean? We never stopped tape. Never. You know. Oh, right. Because so, you never know when you're going to capture that magic. They teach you, teach you that in journalism school, too. Do not turn off the recorder till you're till you're back in your car, because the magic happens when you're leaving and saying goodbye, and someone comes, you know, with a random story. It's the same in music, you know, same in jazz. Yeah, now, nowadays stuff. artists can't do that. You know, they have to they have to rehearse and get in right. the studio, cut the song, right? You know, cut the record. You know, it's, it's 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 limited time in the studio. But Miles, you you know, you've been there two three days, four days, you know. He had yeah, and that's something I'm, about twenty songs, you know. Yeah, he seemed like such a leader in the uh, in the recording studio. I have some questions about that, but it looks like we've received our first knock on the door. And that would be from Jeremy Pelt. JP. Masked up and everything. Jeremy, welcome to the program, man. man. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) You're in the studio, right, JP? I am in the studio. I'm mixing, uh, mixing my record right now. <laughs> oh, beautiful, man. Well, Jeremy, hey, thank you so much for joining us. Like I say, we're live now, man, and we appreciate you. The, the policy here is open door, so you know you can come and chill as long as you want. Um, but if you got to get back to mixing, you know we totally understand. But thank you for coming on, celebrating the life of Miles Davis, man. Of course. We were just talking about uh, your latest album, uh, the one that was interpretations of the Rodin sculptures. Oh, great. Um, because, you know, Miles Davis also famously um, appreciative of, of art, you know, and, and was a practitioner later in life. Um, so I, the, one of the questions I have before we get into, you know, that kind of parallel, I always want to ask, you know, trumpet players, when did you first start engaging with Miles kind of like on a like an educational level, really start listening, taking him as like a mentor? Like, and what could you hear from his music? Well, I mean, you know, first thing I'll say is that this day is special. Um, it's it's weird to, to say because obviously, I mean, he died on this day in 91, right? Yeah. But yeah. it's also special to me because this is apropos to your question, because this was the day that I entered 10th grade, I believe. And, wow. and this was, you know, up until that point, I had been a classical student. And wow, so okay. I was going in my high school and I was like, do you guys have an orchestra? And they were like, no, but we had a pretty good jazz band and here's our instructor. And I get in there and the first thing we play is so what? I've wow. never heard of it. It's never heard of me. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm playing, I play the music and then the teacher starts pointing at different students and they start playing. And I'm like, well, what, what, is, what, what are they playing? What are they playing? Right. Like, improvising. Oh, and so after school, I went straight to the store, to the record store. Remember those? And oh, uh, yeah. and found so what? But it wasn't on kind of blue. It was I found. I just picked up the first thing I could find. So what? On and it happened to be Miles Davis live at Carnegie Hall, in 1961, mm. and or 1960 rather. And as soon as I got that. That answers your question right there. That's when, it, yeah. you know, everything <laughs> just you fell into place. And that's also when I decided I wanted to play this music. Oh, on this, that, on was, that day, was a little hot. That was up-tempo, right? That day. Wow. That is wild, man. That is wild. You know, and as you were kind of expanding your jazz palette, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure you were listening to other cats. You know, Clifford invariably enters they the mix, Freddie Hubbard. They didn't even come later. They really? Oh, I mean, because Miles was like the first one. Wow. So, I mean, you know, I was heavy, you know, into Miles. Heavy into Miles. You dug deep. And so what was it about his sound, you know, and about his style on the trumpet that spoke to you, even after other trumpet players, you know, entered the picture? You know, what was it about Miles that you connected with? Uh, you know, t- truth be told, it was the the, the feeling of the whole band. Mm. I mean, that band on that record was Wynton Kelly and Paul Chambers and Hank Mobley. Yeah and Jimmy Cobb, and it was just such an electric feeling when they played that So What? I was just like, it was like immediately getting, you know, you get bit by a mosquito and you immediately feel the bump. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Except yeah. this is a good bump. You know, you get bit and you're just like, wow. And you're just affected that immediately. Wow, beautiful, man. And and I will say, because I'm a trumpet player too, and a total hack amateur trumpet player. But, you know, in terms of tone, and especially coming from a classical background, which Miles did too, right, Vince? Juilliard. Yeah, yes. Juilliard. Trained classical. Yeah. 
one of the purest sounds, you know, mm -hmm. most beautiful tones, um, you know, on the trumpet, period. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I love Kenny Dorn. I love KD as much as the next guy, some of these guys. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's a very jazzy sound. It could be a little whispery. Mm -hmm. It could be a Lee Morgan. Very mm -hmm. A pure tone on Miles Davis um, mm -hmm. that really made it all the more human in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, his his sound was something that is always, you know, in the back of my mind. And uh, and, and he, his sound also influenced a, a number of my, you know, favorite, you know, other favorite trumpet players, namely Donald Byrd. You know, yes. I mean, they had the same type of thing um, of, of just the tone. And so that is something that uh, was uh, very profound on me, the, the effect of it. Yeah. Absolutely. I have a question, JP. You know, mm -hmm. it, it takes a trumpet for both of you guys uh, years to 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 find your your sound, right? Yeah. So, but so my question is, man, we've toured together with the Miles Electric Band, mm -hmm. but one of many things I love about you, to say why you're here, is you play JP, but in for the you know like. Like in love of Miles, you know, we all mm -hmm. we, we all hold that music sacred to us. I mm -hmm. wish we could have some some put up some of the concerts with us playing yeah, together. Great. But yeah. but you know, you have your sound, but you're influenced by Miles and, and great trumpeters. Mm -hmm. But how do you when you play that music? You know how do how do you you know what are you what are you thinking about? How do you encompass that that you know? I'm thinking about you guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? I mean that's that's it, it's 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 a trip to be on stage with you guys that that were on stage with Miles, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, one of the things I remember when I was getting ready to do the couple dates that I did, I was talking to Antoine Roney, you know, because mm -hmm. I just didn't know what. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, that was uh, up until like ten years ago, the one era of miles that i didn't check out a whole lot of 80 I, okay. I stopped like mm -hmm. in the 70s so it wasn't until uh and you'll see i guess lenny white's going to be on here later right um it it wasn't until lenny called me to do a gig where he's like yeah we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that. and it was and lenny said we're gonna do uh some of the stuff from we went miles right and i was like mm -hmm. okay and so i went and checked out my <laughs> man's going now i was just blown away and mm -hmm. so that's what got mm -hmm. me started mm -hmm. to check it out so you know that was something I just wanted to to really uh, make sure that I was doing it justice, you know, because basically Antoine was just like, man, it's, it's your band. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. Don't put that exactly. pressure on me because I'm like, I don't know what I'm yeah, doing. You know? No, but man, you came in, you walked in and, 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 and you know, smoking, you know? And, yeah. and, 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 you know, the beauty of it is we hold the musicians that actually play with Miles on those records at high esteem, in high esteem. Mm -hmm. But we're we're doing like Jack Johnson. We're doing mm -hmm. um, we're doing uh, time after time. Then we go mm -hmm. we go to in a silent way, and I mean we're moving Nefertiti. all around. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but the beauty of it is, it's our you know it's our interpretation, and that's what I love about it. You know, absolutely. And you and absolutely. we we have a new record coming out, Brian, and and and, J, and my man's on there. JP's been just killing. You know, beautiful man. Is yeah. that the way the band works? If somebody's playing, you know, like Jeremy's a guest, and it's you kind of hand the it's like here, man. This is we're following you. You're in the spotlight. When I call JP, I trust. I'm, I'm good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like calling Michael Jordan. You know, you, yeah. You, you gotta <laughs> call cats that 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 will. You know, you don't have to worry about it. You know, JP's got it because JP would do his homework before he comes to the bandstand. You know, so I'm good. You know, yeah. You're good. I'm good. And, 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 and when we do the sound checks, Brian, I'm like, okay. Okay, this is going to be a good night. You know, it's going to be a good fun, night. You know? I'm looking forward to doing more as soon as this. Likewise, man. All this, all the BS go, you know, goes away. But exactly. uh, Who's cutting on your new record? JP, who's on your new record? Uh, it's the same band that you were talking okay. about uh, from from uh, Jeremy Felt the Artist. So it's the same cats: Chain Chain Lou on vibraphone, Vicente Archer on bass, Alan Mednard on drums, Victor Gould on piano, Ismail Wignall on percussion, 
and I got Brandy Younger uh, playing harp on one track too. Oh, wow. so, oh yeah, yeah, she's bad. She's bad. You got to come back on the show. Yeah. I'm here at Rudy Van Gelder. I'm at Rudy Van Gelder's mixing right now. So for our listeners, say yeah. one more time for our listeners. You're wearing um, out. Uh, we 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 recorded <laughs> and mixed the record at Rudy Van Gelder's studio. So you know the legendary Rudy the Van Gelder's studio. Yeah, You're there right, right now. There. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got to have you yeah, come back and and, and and debut your record, man, when y'all finish. I, I definitely will. I'd love that, man. But I got to get back to it. But thank you guys for having okay. me on here. Our pleasure, man. Jeremy, thank you so much for stopping by, man. Really thank appreciate you. it. Thank JP. Long Thanks, man. Miles. Long yeah. yeah. That's Thanks, right. brother. Bye. Peace. Yeah, I dug that last album that he did. Jeremy Pelt, the artist. Uh, again, he was doing interpretations of uh rodan sculptures as jazz pieces um and he i mean he goes way back with his uh interest in fine arts he's an avid museum goer jeremy pelt just an all-around mm-hmm. awesome musician and, and he, might cook, he might burn a little bit too in the kitchen b oh yeah seen, yeah another thing he has in common another thing he has in common with miles who was he knew his way around the kitchen too oh definitely man he had the little black book and we're still looking for this this black book, like a little phone book, but all these great recipes, you know. Aaron and I can't find it. But I've, so, I've seen out. one floating around the internet of like Miles Davis' famous chili or something like that. But that yeah, reminds I've, I've me, we're on the too. topic of cooking. We should let people know that uh, coming up a little later in the month, October, uh, in I'm sorry, in October, we're going to be talking with, this is wild, and you found these guys, Vince, the Potash mm-hmm. Twins. The Potash Twins are food celebrities, right? They've been on Bravo. They've been on Food Network. They've cooked with Andrew Zimmern, uh, who also happen to be jazz musicians. They are, and they play, they gig, they record. They've chilled with Winton. And on one of their shows, they pair musicians with chefs to see how, you know, the art forms are similar. They're two, they're young, two young players out of, I think, uh, Minnesota, they're going to be on and the show funny. and be funny, funny, yeah, funny, funny. hysterical. So, funny. so they're going to be on the show to talk about cooking, to talk about Miles walking us through a recipe. I think Miles would be proud, man. Yeah, they answer each other. You know what I mean? And it's One that twin, answer, twin oh, mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Really yeah. Let's take some <laughs> questions, man. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, we just got people saying hello. You know, we even, let me say uh, this because the musician, the trumpeters that we that we, um, hey, Joyce. Hey Gary. Hey Gary. The trumpeters are, are, are going to come on, but they're like, Keon is in transit. The busy, JP's man. in the studio. Busy Sean, everybody. Yeah. CM, what's going? CM Tally, what's up, CM? Any Vince, I, was, I always had a question because we get into this a lot. You know, Miles again. He get in the studio. He'd like to let the tape roll. He definitely had his way putting a band together and recording. And a lot of the musicians, especially the young musicians, we get on this show say they were so influenced by Miles to really take control of their music. You know, and it it influenced a lot of them to become record label owners. They started their own record labels. Was that something Miles ever entertained? Was that ever something he wanted to do? He never mentioned being yeah. a label owner. Never, never, you know. But um I know when he left uh Sony or Columbia Records at the time for Warner Brothers, he wanted to change up the game, you know. Uh, but well, we'll get we'll put he, a pin in that. We'll put a pin in that, Vince, because somebody just knocked on the door, and that'll be the one, the only Sean Jones. What's up, what's up Sean? Hey, Sean. How you feel? Something. Everything is great. I'm here in the uh, recording studio. We're about to do a live stream with the uh, Venezuelan Jazz Collective, led by wow. my good. Brand Vioma. So we're we're doing it up. Beautiful, man. Beautiful, man. Well, hey, we right. want to appreciate you coming onto the stream. I've been letting people know, you know, it's come and go as you please. So we're glad to have you here hanging out. But if you got a bounce, um, you know, don't hesitate to uh do your thing. But thank you for stopping by to share some love for Miles Davis, man. Thank you, man. Of course. I wouldn't be playing the trumpet if it wasn't for Miles Davis. So First that's what yeah, go ahead. <laughs> First trumpet I've heard, man. My my teacher. In the uh, sixth grade, her name is Jessica Turner. She played clarinet, and she loved Marcus Miller. Like okay. Miller, right? 
So she gave me a couple of Miles Davis records. And the first one that she gave me was 2-2. And she gave me uh, Kind of Blue and a Mandla. Mm. And Mandla blew me away, man. Katembe, the first track. I mean, I, I literally played that over and over again as an 11-year-old thinking, <laughs> what, is, what, what is this, you know? And it, Wait a it, minute, it, 11? Sean, you 11? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I played Contembe over and over. Wore it out. Yeah. But you know, partially because I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church environment. And so there was a lot of complex music going on anyway. But, um, you know, Contembe had everything in it that I loved about music. Yeah, mm. the voices, you have multiple rhythms going on, complex harmony. It was like, you know, I had the blues in it. I mean, it's, it's literally not missing anything in that one track, man. That's awesome, man. It's so cool to hear you say that because a lot of trumpet players find their way into Miles, you know, through the 50s, 60s stuff for second break. But I love Tutu. I love Amanla just as much, man. Oh, man. That's, I mean, that music, man. I mean, when you think about Miles Davis, I, I tell all my students, I said, Miles is the perfect example of reinvention. But staying true to who you are, he constantly went with what was going on without fundamentally changing his sound. You could take the sound of Miles Davis in the 80s, and it's right. the same sound of Miles Davis in the 50s literally the same sound, but but implanted in a completely different style, right? For an idiosyncrasy inside of the genre, and right. it, it's just amazing, man. Yeah. And Sean, man, you had the distinction, you know, because we've had some other guests on the show. And by the way, we have Lenny backstage working on his camera. So, Vince, if you could maybe let Lenny know he's connected, but we don't have his camera. Lenny White yeah, is back there. Randy Hall and we got Lenny White. And, hey, Sean. Yes, sir. Real quick, man, we, we, we hit stage two, brother. Yes, we have. So, man. what? I mean, what, you know, you have your sound, but what, what, when you first hit with us, what were you vibing? What were you, you know, what were you thinking about in terms of getting the music, you know, getting the music before we did rehearsal the sound checks? Well, the first what was your thing, mindset? Well, the, the mindset for me was to not get in the way, but to get in the way in such a way that that sort of that that Miles would do. Like one of the things I heard a great trumpeter, Snooky Young, say who is one of the greatest, if not the greatest lead trumpet player to ever live. He said- And a good friend of Uncle Miles. Yeah, he great said- Great friend too. Yeah, he said Miles, greatest lead trumpet player ever. And I didn't mm. know what was saying at the time. I'm like, what? Miles Everson play lead? And he said, listen to how he leads the direction of the music. It's not just mm. about playing on top of the band. It's about leading the direction of the music and the contour. And so, one of the, the two things that I, I thought about when playing with the electric band, Vince, is one, all of y'all are alums. So I have to come in with a certain level of reverence to the fact that y'all have been there and you know what that sound is. But at the same time, you still have to, you know, be in the leadership role. So it's like a certain level of humility and responsibility at the same time that I had to come into the band with. That's amazing, man. And, and not to mention, well. I handled it extremely well. Not to mention, <laughs> you were playing with Herbie on the Tribute to Miles tour in 2011. I mean, you were playing with Herbie, with Marcus, with Wayne. Um, that's an amazing position to be in because obviously you want to pay homage to Miles, but you still got to be Sean. Was yeah. that the was that the fine line you had to walk? Well, it, it was, but at the same time, it was like I knew that I, it would be a death sentence for me if I came in trying to sound like Miles. Right. There's only one. <laughs> so I thought to myself, well, just be Sean. You know, you're on the gig. You got hired for a reason. And it must be because, you know, be yourself. They've heard Miles up close and personal. So to try to come in and reflect that, that would have been a mistake. And again, it's the same thing. You know, these these are alums of Miles's band. And so you have to come in with a certain level of reverence. Right. And you have to do your job. I mean, at the end of the day, you do your job. You at that stage, there's no excuses, there's no discussion. It's the music. And so the music led me each time. And it, it 
to say that I'm grateful for those opportunities is an understatement. And Vince, thank you for providing the opportunity for all of us, man, to keep this Amen. beautiful spirit alive and the music alive. So thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. I love you, brother. You know that. Oh, man. Love you, you too. Know. Mutual. Yeah, I can't back out here and, and perform with you again. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it soon. Yes, sir. And Sean, man, you know, you and I like I say, question for, I got, go I got tons of questions for Sean, man. Um, <laughs> but like I say, feel free, Sean. If you got to bounce, you got to bounce. But okay, I'm okay. so curious as to, you know, because you started with Amanda, as you work your way back, you're developing your own chops as an improviser, you know, as a trumpet player. As you were getting into some of the earlier stuff, or really all of Miles Davis stuff, what was inspiring you? What was jumping out at you about some of the stuff that Miles was doing? Um, you know, that made him so original. Well, one was he hired people to be themselves. Mm. So when you hear his bands, you know, each each band sounds different. And you can't say the same for a lot of band leaders. A lot of people, right. a lot of band leaders hire cats and they say, no, nah, this is what I want you to sound like. Yeah, yeah. Up sounding the same for the duration of their um, of their careers. But Miles hired cats to contribute music, to contribute their sound. It was a it seemed like it was a collaboration without my without being there. I didn't hear the stories of cats and Miles really respected the musicians that he hired and respected them to be themselves. The other thing, again, is it, it's fascinating to me that someone can take their sound and literally put it inside of everything at work. Right. It's almost like Miles was like salt or pepper, man. <laughs> like pepper is everything. Yeah. And it's like, how many spices, how many, um, you know, flavorings can you use literally in everything? Yeah. And so that's, yeah. How, that's how deep it is for Miles Ron, Ron Carter referred to him as, as a, the head chemist. And everybody just had like these different ingredients and formulas. And we all put this, you know. Yeah. We'd be used. Head chemist was, was directing everything that we putting into this, this vat, you know. So, yeah, that's a great way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he always knew he had, he was he knew he could get what he wanted out of each musician, you know. Right. And sometimes I think he liked to be pushed, especially like when I listened to the Quint the second quintet with Tony and those guys, you know. Mm. And Tony was like always just like relentless. You know what I mean? The moment yeah. I heard Tony asked Miles, "How come you don't practice?" And, and Miles was like, "What?" You know, Tony was what 17, 18, you know, mm. just killing the band still, just like slaying them, you know. Yeah. That's amazing to me. You know, and I, another thing about Miles, and this is, you know, I never got a chance to meet Miles or anything, but I would have to venture and guess that Miles had probably the greatest ear in music of, of almost all time. Mm be able to hear all of that to know exactly Sean, when I mean it's almost it's like perfect it's like, yeah. yeah you know what was amazing I was sharing with Brian and, and Jamie Pell um when he would stop a song during the concert and go on to the next song he could kind of feel engage the, the energy of the of the audience see a lot of yeah. people think he was that he was being you know he was turning his back to the audience because he was like you know like he wasn't interested in, in the audience but he yeah. he liked the interaction with people on stage, you know, like a conductor in an orchestra. I was just and, about to say the, the irony that conductors, these major or, or orchestral conductors, their back is to the audience literally the entire time. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, that's that a good point. It's scrutinized. Yeah, for literally being a director of the ensemble. You know, and he had the uncanny way of knowing when to get on to the next song or what to, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. He would he would give us little oh. things on stage. Hey, no. we got another. Hey, Keon. Keon, what's has going on? Party. What's up, everybody? What's up, Sean? What's up, V? How you doing? What's up, man? What's up, Brian, everything is cool. Hey, Keon, welcome back, man. Hey, my pleasure, my pleasure. Yeah. Welcome I got to a show question for you. Yeah. Hold on, it, man. I know you got a ton of before. No, no, no. I'll bring it. Hey, Key. Yo. You know, we've played together in, in Electric Band too. Key, mm -hmm. when you did the Miles Ahead movie and soundtrack, 
what was that like? Oh, oh, and 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 Bernard Fowler told me to tell you hello. We, I'll give him my best. Bernard is out there listening. But the what genius was that Bernard. Like? Yeah, yeah, Bernard's the man. Yes, indeed. Man. Yes, sir. I'm literally not too far from there right now. I'm coming in from Long Island, so sorry I'm on the train. Or just no, gotten off the train. No worries, but anyway, man. working on the Minds Ahead film was, was an amazing thing, man. Got a chance to work with some incredible people from Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter in the studio. Um, and Robert Glasper obviously did an amazing score. And Don Cheeto. It was a beautiful thing. I felt like, I don't know, it was it's, it's an amazing to basically to, to walk on the shoulders of Miles Davis, you know. Um, the legend, you know, the incredible artist who we all aspire to be like, you know, it's an amazing time, amazing experience, learning, a learning lesson on so many levels. And you from Ferguson, which is St. Louis. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Talk about that, man, please. Oh, it was an amazing, um, how did you start? How did you start? Connection. How did you get in the game? How did you start? I, who, how, man, I started playing. I, I started off on uh, my grandfather had a drum and bugle corps. He was a police officer, started a drum and bugle corps, who made all of his grandkids learn how to play the horn. I wanted to play drums, but that didn't work out. Um, you know, I started getting good on the horn and my brother Emmanuel, who works with Greg Reporter now, he didn't get good on the horn and he continued on the drums. So, <laughs> you know, so that, you know, that, that's how I started. And, um, you know, just the connection between, you know, Miles Davis and just, you know, my, my distant family, the, the Randalls, um, Eddie Randall had a, had a band called the Blue Devils, um, which was one of Miles' first bands. So, you know, it was an amazing connection. So if, if it gets too loud, it's because I'm at a train station. It's all good, Keon. I'll give you the same spiel. I mean, it's just kind of an open door policy here. It's a real jam. So we, you know, obviously love having you here to hang. But whenever you got to get going, feel free to be on your way. We're just spreading love for Miles Davis today. Sean, it looks like Sean has got to bounce. Okay, here you, Sean. Sean, you heading out? Thank you, Sean. Much appreciated, love you, man. man. Thank you. Much love, y'all. I appreciate you. All right, come Much back anytime. Sean. Yes, sir. Peace Take love, care, my Sean. Bro. Appreciate it. Right, right. Yeah. All right, and yeah, Etienne Charles everybody? has joined the party too. What's up? Hey, what's going on, man? <laughs> what's we up? We told brother? you, and we told you, Trumpet Summit people. Yeah, what's oh, going no. on, everybody? It's good to see everyone, man. Keon, what's up, Brian? What's going on, y'all? Hey, man, thank you, thank you for joining. So we were just—I mean, we're kicking it off again. This is kind of an open door policy. People come. We're chatting, Miles Davis, Lenny White. By the way, is backstage. Lenny, if you can hear me, your camera's not working. As soon as we can get that camera working, we'll bring he's, you he's on. Just man. To, he wants to come on without without a camera. Be. Can you we can do that, Jeff? Yeah. Lenny White. What's going on, Doctor? Doctor. Hey, White. Lenny. What's up, brothers? <laughs> What's hey, up, man. Machine Gun? <laughs> I call Machine you Gun know. Machine Gun Lenny White. <laughs> yeah, the man, the myth, the legend, Lenny White, the great. Yeah. Real quick for E and Keon, you know, when was it the first time? You, uh, Key, you shared it with the with the with our with our audience, but. E, when was the first time you heard Miles coming up? Oh, oh man. Um, I first heard Miles. I first heard a rap. My dad was a DJ. Is it? Well, he was a DJ. He still has a record collection. But um, but he had the first record that I was introduced to Miles' music on was a tribute record um, that was Wallace... Tony Williams, Ron Carter, Herbie Hancock, um, and Wayne Shorter, and then, then my my uncle pulled out Feeder Kilimanjaro, um, and he put it on the record player. I don't know, that was like the in the nineties sometime, and that's when I got introduced to 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 Miles, which is an interesting period in in his career to get introduced to his sound. But the one thing I'll say about Miles is no matter where in his career um, he was when you first heard his music, it pulled you in, you know. Yeah, no absolutely. Matter what, no matter what era it was of his sound, there was always something in the sound that, absolutely. that, that was like, come, come, you're going to listen to this and you're going to want to know. And so, you know, and it's, and it's a constant journey. I mean, I just got... I just got um, I just got sor- sorcerer on on wax 
Yeah, man. It's a pink, a pink LP. So yep, you know, yep. I've I've had the CD for years, and, you know. So I'm starting to get some more more LPs, and you know, it's just it's unbelievable music. Just for me, the thing that always catches me about Miles is his sound. Yeah, you know, like you go through, you know, you go through his stuff in the '40s or the '50s or the '60s. Each one, like his sound, has this way of of catching you. '70s, same '80s, same. Like he has this way of catching you with his sound. And I'm mm-hmm. still trying to figure out how to do that. So, still, well, still you're chasing doing it huh? well, man. <laughs> you're doing, yeah, we were just talking about it. It's such a human, pure sound, man. And then yeah. the fact that he introduced the Harmon mute. I mean, people got to remember, people take it for granted, Harmon mute on a trumpet now in jazz, but he was really one of the first to popularize it. Um, Etienne, man, you still teaching up in Michigan? Yeah, I'm in Michigan right now. I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm on a, a quick break from class. And okay. I'm, you know, I'm at Michigan State. And, um, but I was the last gig I played before lockdown was in st louis uh-huh. um, okay. and um and we were and you know we, we we drove across i wanted to try to go find um the old house um because harry edwards had actually told me that when he was growing up in east st louis he would hear miles practicing on his grandmother's porch Wow, wow, right wow. on, man. That's incredible. So, That's so incredible. he was talking about how the sound, like my, like he had Miles's sound in his head As before Miles was, yeah, before Miles was even on a record. Wow, wow. wow. So, when house Miles is, that house ahead, has been restored in 1701 Kansas, and oh, okay. it, it's anybody who's ever in East St. Louis, the St. Louis of the area. Go by 1701 Kansas, right on the corner, and and it's, it's the House of Miles. Yeah, I'm going to make a drive. You could do it. You know, we, we we donated it to the city, and it's okay. curated by my my Lauren Parks, and it's a website and everything, man. So next time you yeah. that way. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a short drive from St. Louis, man. It's not too far from me, so I might, you know, mm-hmm. might just go make another pilgrimage, you know, because, you know, that's, you know, CT territory, too. That whole, that's those are all my, all my guys, CT. <laughs> Keon Harold. That's Key, right. Man. And I've I've shared stage with Key and Etienne, man. You cats, man, you you come with your own fire, man. And I, and I love you, brothers, for it. You know? Thank Cousin, you. Man. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, Miles, you know, his sound was one that was so pure that it's like you want to be a part of it, but if, if you can actually take in what Miles left us, automatically I feel you're gonna go your own way. Exactly. For some 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 reason, he had that ability to 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 to, to make to make um I guess Miles Juniors or or what would you call it like the d- the d- disciples I call, yeah I call it Miles Davis University Key hey, <laughs> University of Miles Davis yeah that's what it right. is is you know right. disciple is a discipleship and we you know it's a, it's it's everything that one wants to to need it's, it literally is a, a university you know? damn right you're right. Where's yeah, Lenny? Cool. Lenny, I think he sees up there. He might be muted. Uh, Lenny, you there? What's the damn plane taking off? What is that, man? He's in a train station. Hey, Keon's at the train station, you know. Oh, okay. You know, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. I can I can only stay for a few more minutes. That's why I do. Hey, Lynn, real quick. <clears throat> yes, sir. This is Brooke. Being what in the studio, it? what time? Just tell me a quick story about that. I love it. Uh, we had to be there. Well, Miles told me to be there at 10 o'clock. And I was there at 9.30. Cleaning lady let me in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm setting up my stuff. Everybody's coming in and everything. Jack's sitting up next to me. I'm setting up, so I'm, you know, messing with my drum. And Miles comes over to uh, talk back. He says, hey, Jack. I said, yeah, Miles. Tell that young drummer to shut up. <laughs> so Im- immediately, I am a deer in headlights. So, you know, uh, but it was the greatest experience I've ever had. And you are getting that. ready to make that iconic record. You know. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we didn't, go ahead. Go ahead, man. We didn't know what it was going to be. I mean, right. you know, okay. the thing about it, which is so deep, is that we didn't have anything to use as a guide 
or anything to use as precedent. So we were making it up as we were doing it. And so we didn't know what it was going to be. Somebody put a name on it and said, this is what it was. But, mm-hmm. you know, we were making it up as we were doing it. That's right. In the rehearsal, you showed up at the house on the uh, top, the brownstone with, with a snare drum and a cymbal, a riot cymbal. That's it. That's all he asked me to bring. And all we all we went over was da la da la da la da la ba ba. That was it, baby. You know. Well, build the plane as you fly it, man. And that's, that's important right. to think about. That's it. You know, because they call it. The F word now, which I know is a word that uh, Lenny doesn't like. That Lenny doesn't like fusion, but back then they were making this stuff out of thin air. I mean, there was no, it was not a genre. It was not a thing, you know. And that was something. It seemed like Miles was always doing. He was always putting himself in a place where has to be inventing something new. Could never stand still. I give you a perspective. I mean, see, here's this real deep, deep thing. I learned how to create music before I learned how to play it. Because, because Miles didn't give us any music to play. He just came to me and he said, think of this as a big pot of stew and I want you to be salt. So what musical knowledge am I going to call upon for me to be salt? Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I going to play a paradiddle? What am I, you know what I mean? So like you had to, at that moment, try to recreate what it is that he heard in his head, what he wanted you to play. And the other perspectives I want to give you is this. I heard um, guys talk about Miles's sound. Miles's sound was unique and that's what it was. No matter what kind of music he played, his sound was in that music. So for an, a young artist to have a sound is very, very important because by that sound, everybody knows that it is you, no matter what kind of music it is. And just Miles put his sound in whatever kind of music he played. So it became Miles's music. Mm-hmm. Whatever, he, whatever, he, whatever he played became Miles's music. In, in the it documentary, was. Lynn, you said an amoeba. It was like an amoeba, right? Yeah, it was, had a whole bunch of arms and legs and heads. And everything. <laughs> it, was just, it was just moving around, man. You know? That's funny. That's funny, yeah, man. man. Hey, Lynn, I love you, man. The legend, What's up, cats? Man. Good to, good to, see, good to you, see you guys. Good to talk with you. A pleasure talking with you, man, as always. I got I to gotta run, but yeah. Peace we appreciate out, you, Lenny. Take care, man. Yes, sir. All right, thank now. you, man. I call you tonight. All right, Lenny. All right, E. Key, come on. Yeah, come on. You know, I mean, Lenny <laughs> you know? White talking. What I'm gonna say is, Lenny Cat was like 17, 17 years old on business. Yes, bro, you know, what, what, what yeah. am I gonna say? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And what I were still, you doing at I 17? Still I still be playing funk bands in Chicago. You know. <laughs> I was playing in a steel band in Trinidad in 17. Trinidad, yeah, man. Yeah, you know? man. Crazy. So, Keith. Yeah. You, you got the love for barbecue, man, being from St. Oh, Louis? Yeah. So, uh... Keon. Keith, can you hear Hold me? Hold up. I got, a bad, I, I, got, I got a bad signal right now. Okay. You know, I got a bad signal right now. Can you hear me? Yeah. You got a love for got barbecue, you, being from St. Louis? Cause you freeze it. <laughs> well, let me ask you, E. Yeah, hold on. Oh, I love on, barbecue. Key. We we got good barbecue in Trinidad, so you know. Anyway, you got black. Anyway, you got black people. You got good barbecue. <laughs> you, go, you go. You go to Nigeria. You get good barbecue. We're getting out on the road. We always talking about a, a cool spot to eat, right? Yep, exactly. Food is the key. Food and I got I got to tell you about Etienne. Etienne has his clothes. He has his 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 wardrobe maxed clean he's clean at the airport he's clean at the sound check and and he's you know he's clean on the stage right you know i can tell by the match. specs man i dig uh, the I specs mean, get that from and miles man. And chilling on the that's hall. exactly right man yeah, miles was always fresh fashion wise so you know I, mm-hmm. so you wear the art you play the art you know that's right man 
the lesson. And Etienne, I want to ask you, man, because you're, you know, you're at this teaching post mm-hmm. at Michigan. And which university is it? Michigan State University. Michigan State. That's a good music program up there. Great program, yeah. You know, are there things that you have distilled from Miles Davis play Miles Davis is playing that you pass on to we could start with your trumpet players, you know, in specific, but then your musicians as a whole, you know. Yeah, definitely. We do we do a few different things with Miles. Um, we study the, the different eras of his playing. Um, you know, specifically like and you know, a lot of times early on we, we'll deal with his playing in the forties and fifties. Right. And then to get into his playing in the sixties and late sixties. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll talk about ensemble um, concepts because a lot of the composers that we study were in Miles' bands, like Herbie Hancock, Wayne mm-hmm. Short, Marcus Miller, you know, um, you know, you know, the great Bobby, <laughs> you know, uh, they, they all were in Miles' bands. And so, so a lot of the compositions that we study, like, yeah, this, this is some music that Miles would play. Um, think about what Miles would play on this. So, you know, it's it, it, from a trumpet perspective, it's a lot of about dealing with your sound and dealing with yeah. the way you construct a line from an improvisational perspective. And then from a compositional or improvisational perspective, is it's how do you approach a tune based on the concept of you know Miles's way of using thirds or Miles's way of using a chromaticism or Miles's way of using space because mm-hmm. it's all of those things that he would do um, to make the music breathe and to make the music move. How oh, beautiful, man. And I also wanted to know, you know, because you have really found your way in this kind of trad jazz New Orleans style. I mean, you do everything. Let's face it, you do a little bit of everything. But I love the stuff you do with the like original New Orleans style. A lot of people kind of see like the trad jazz stuff and the Miles Davis stuff kind of on opposite ends, you know, of a spectrum. I'm certain that's not the case. So in what ways do you see that they're all connected, you know? Um, I think it's all connected. I think, you know... I think all of the traditions of the diaspora really are connected, you know, and um, and so you know, I I I I see the fluidity of of styles as a as you know something that Miles did, um, you know, and and like I think the way Miles would move between mm-hmm. all of the styles that he ended up playing in his career, um, is something that I try to do as well, you know. I mean, I I, I believe that understanding the foundation of of the trumpet is key and i also understand that 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 digging into as many different styles as possible where that trumpet is is played and where it is not played is very important and so i think you know the spirit of miles is really about fluidity in music and about making your statement no matter where you are um in the music and finding your place you know find like he was very big into finding his place in the music um and so and he had a very special way of doing it. It's funny. It's funny because he was he was a boxer, and like the way he plays is like a boxer with a new opponent every time. It's like you know you you feel them out first before you watch how they punch, before you decide where you're gonna throw. Like is this person right-handed? Is this person left-handed? Which hand is longer? Which reach is longer? Which foot is stronger? How? And so it's the same thing he would do with music, and I try to do the same thing. So like you know I was gonna when I first started digging into you know the music of the South. Etc. And and I, I I take that same approach to all the music that I play. And so, so you know that that is that is crucial to playing music. Absolutely, man. I caught you at the Caramore Jazz Festival a few years ago. Oh wow, yeah. And at, what a set, man! You lit the place up. Yeah, um, such a diversity of styles, and not a booty in the chair, man. I mean, nah, you have people up. That's, <laughs> if I'm telling people, once this is all behind us, and you get a chance to go see Etienne Charles live, do it. Put, it's out. a great show, man. Come check Add us man. out. Absolutely. I, I got bounce. I got thank you all um, for calling we me. We got to do some more playing too, E. Let's do it. We're going to talk. Yeah. You know, thank you all yeah, so yeah, yeah. much. I and, and you love, love to the memory. Love to the family. Everybody take care, y'all. You too, Etienne. Appreciate it, man. I love you, man. Take care. Damn, that was cool, Vince. We can go another hour. Absolutely, man. And maybe we will, you know. Yeah. When was Miles' birthday? In May, right? May 26, 1926. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And, and some guys that they're going to come on, Randy Hall, Robert Irving, we're going to get them on. We're going to, they're from Chicago. We started up together in Chicago and Felton and Darrell and all of us. So we're going to maybe have a Chicago Miles, Love Miles. Ooh, I love kind it. Kind of man. Uh, uh, say, Cause we were I love it. Young and, and, and trying, to, trying to get heard, you know? That's absolutely right. And, and my, yeah. 
Miles Sumpton and Edison flew us to New York. But so we'll get on, we'll have an episode, you know, we'll do a, a, a vibe on that soon. Absolutely. Well, hey, this was an absolute, absolute pleasure talking Miles Davis with you, celebrating his life. Uh, thanks for putting this together, Vince. I mean, what a jam. Man, Etienne Charles, Sean Jones, Keon Harold, Jeremy Pelt, Lenny White. Oh, my God. Nick Pay is on a fight. He's more. sorry he couldn't make it. But uh, we'll get Nick. I reached out to uh, uh, um, Terrence Blanchard, TV. You know. We'll make it happen. Stay tuned, people. Big things happening on Miles Monday. Big things happening spread the word, on baby. Miles Monday. Spread the word. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Hit the notification bell. Sign up for our newsletter. Check out our digital subscription. It's all happening on jazzes.com. And pick up the swag on Miles Davis shop. I'm wearing my Miles Davis rubber band shirt. Vince Miles has got his shirt. thing going on. PRP. Jack Denham. Miles Denham. You know, we rock Beautiful, it. man. Well, Vince, another home run, another successful Miles Monday episode. Uh, thanks for being my co-host, as always, dude. Hey, B, thank you, man. You know, we, we don't celebrate his passing, but we just honor the legacy. And and when we talked about it, that's what we wanted to do. And, and thank you. And Def Jeff behind the scenes are, you know, uh, and, your, and and Michael and everybody, man, everybody at Jazz is for giving us uh, this form, man. You know, Miles lives forever. Long live Miles. Absolutely. Thank you so much for watching, everyone. We will see you next week with another episode of Miles Monday. So long, everyone. Peace and love, Bye, Vince.